You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between exercise and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 women develop fitter minds and bodies in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to episode four of the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast where I talk to long-distance trail runner Les Corson about his running journey, including how he started running while he was smoking and drinking. Enjoy. All right, today we have Les Corson, a good friend of mine from many years ago, and again through running. I met Les here in, in Tasmania. He doesn't live in Tasmania anymore, but he can tell you about that in a minute. So welcome, Les. I'm very excited to have you on Fit Mind, Fit Body to share your running story. So how about you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, just a bit of your background, and then we'll move into your running story. Okay, fine. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Um, a pleasure. Yeah, so basically I'm a 50-plus, nearly 60-plus. No. Uh, nearly. Wow. Getting there. I'm only three years away. Gosh. Hey, I gave it away there, didn't I? Never know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, IT software programmer. Um, so my background, as a, 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 I suppose from my uh, work point of view, is I originally started life as an electrician and slowly yeah. moved through the ranks doing more technical work and then basically got to my mid-30s and not so much a midlife crisis but just wanted a change of focus, a change of career mm-hmm. and went back to high school uh, did finished off my year 11 and 12 which I never finished initially oh wow and then did uh, a bachelor of science in computer studies at 3 Deakin University here in Victoria in sort of the late 90s and the early 2000s so right on the the boom of the cusp of the boom of the web yeah. um, that we are now um, so from my running point of view though I started in 1985 on the back of the marathon boom probably caused by robert de costello steve monaghetti mm-hmm. those guys um, came very but popular I did, yes i didn't run marathons though i i thought that was a bit crazy and for, <laughs> for 30 plus years thought it was very crazy um <laughs> and did triathlons uh ironman triathlon and then Decided that was too much training to, mm-hmm. to do um, combining three disciplines. So then, yeah, it's a lot of time, it's, isn't it? It's a lot of time, and and if you want to succeed, you do have to put a lot of time and effort into it. So mm-hmm. I, I decided that was probably a bit too much, and then cut back to just running. Had a bit of a break, moved to Tasmania in the late nineties, and when I moved back to Launceston for the second time, a friend of mine introduced me to Launceston Athletic Club and a lovely bunch of people, competitive bunch of runners. And that really piqued my sort of uh, interest again in running and competitive running. Um, And from there it's blossomed into moving to Victoria and being enabled by people who run marathons and ultras. From there, yes, just kicked off to, to where I am now. So, so I, you know, if people ask me if I'm a runner, yes, I'm a runner, but I run ultras. That's what I do now. But I still run park run. My, I still do my 5K. So and, just, and I really enjoy that. I know. So you've mentioned things like um, an Ironman and you've mentioned 
the well ultras and even marathon so do you then you would realize that but there are maybe people listening to this that will say okay i don't even know what that means so if you do an ironman what kind of distances are you doing over each of those disciplines so an ironman is a triathlon so it's a swim bike and a run so it's a 3.8 kilometer swim Mm -hmm. 180 kilometer bike ride and a 42 kilometer run Uh so effectively marathon distance all done in one day um so and there are also double ironmans and Mm -hmm. quadruple ironmans um uh ultras are the the same so an ultra is classed as anything over the marathon distance so technically 43 kilometers is an ultra um but realistically most of us seem to think 50 kilometers is the benchmark there are a couple of races here in victoria which are 43 kilometer but they are so significantly difficult to do because of the elevation and the trail they are a true ultra but it feels like that but it feels like that so but but a 50s a 50 and and above is is an ultra and it's a bit like the richter scale of earthquakes there's no cap (laughs) people just keep going longer and longer Uh um and there doesn't seem to be any uh i suppose any cap so much in it you know at some stage we'll find a limit to the human body as to, as to what they can and can't do at that distance but, um, how about the how about the limit in your mind like because i know myself having done you know a, a 50 <laughs> an ultra yeah. um i know and a number of marathons that you, you sort of get to that and it feels like okay i've got to this peak because it was a goal to run a yeah. marathon for example and then you get there and then you kind of change it you need to change your goal because you got there and so what's next so it either becomes you want to run faster at that distance i guess or you go oh actually there's those people over there are running 50 or 100 or or whatever or for three days or they're doing six marathons you know so how do you manage those thoughts in your mind because you could actually get quite crazy with that all couldn't you (laughs) yes yes you can um and that's a, I think initially is uh, attempting to to go faster, mm. but very soon you start to look at people who are like yourself. They are just standard runners. Mm. They're nothing special, but they're running eighties, hundreds, in some cases milers, so one hundred and sixty kilometres. Wow. And you think. Gee, could I do that? Because there was a stage there where I would look at people running a marathon and go, no, that's not for me. That, that's, that's a crazy distance. I couldn't do that. But I've done it now and I've done ultras. And, and it's funny how your mind resets to say, well, okay, I've done that and I survived that. And it didn't kill me and I'll line up for something else. Um, for me at the moment, it is a real trade-off between do I want to go faster over these distances or do I want to explore something longer or do I want to explore the same distance but go for something that's really more technical so or more remote. So the terrain um, being in the, the environment. The terrain in the environment, yeah. So, um, so there's a number of mountain races here in Victoria up in the high country which are mm-hmm. remote, really difficult Um uh, very technical so so some clambering up and some downs that you know you're, you're sitting on your bum going down some of these hills because it's the safest way to go down 
Buffalo? Is that in Victoria? Yeah, no, Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo That's Stampede. How, I've heard people subscribe that. Yes. <laughs> it's like running yes. on your bottom. Yeah, mixed <laughs> mixed track going up is hard, but mixed track going down is is on your bum. It's yeah. um so yeah, so there's so there's 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 three ways of looking at what you do. And I, I suppose it depends on the person uh, and their personality of and what they're setting out to do or in some cases people just they just roll on from one event to another and it's it's as much the journey of doing the event and being out in in a particularly trial being out on the outdoors and, uh, mm. and seeing seeing what it has to offer so when you go running how do you how do you feel like what are you thinking about and is it different if you're running with friends versus and racing versus going for a run by yourself or yeah look there's no you really don't want to be in my head when I'm running. You are not the first anyone. person who said that to me this week. That's crazy. <laughs> it is. It's a bit of a clearinghouse of, of yeah. irregular thoughts and um, and uh, yeah, so running for me really is is a uh, you know from the from the, the mental side is is a is a way to clear the head of of, uh, yeah. of many issues. Yeah, life. whatever's happening. Yeah. And so whether good, bad, or indifferent. The difference is whether I run with people, whether I'm running in a group, or whether I run on my own. So if I'm running in a group, uh, particularly, well, for instance, two weeks ago I ran the 50k race with a friend, and we ran the whole way together. Mm-hmm. So at various stages we chatted about running mainly, but but other issues, um, mm-hmm. particularly the you know the COVID issues and, yeah. and races returning and, and how we've all reacted and some of us haven't reacted well to racing again because we mm-hmm. didn't do much last year and therefore yeah. we found out. So that tends to sort of um, take your mind along those paths and, and those sorts of discussions. When I'm on my own, my mind will go anywhere and mm-hmm. it will dredge up memories from a long time ago. It will, it could end up for 10 kilometres of a run processing issues that I'm doing at work where I can't solve a technical issue and my brain will go over and over mm-hmm. with it again many times. I do on a number of occasions, particularly racing, get a one hit wonder song stuck in my head <laughs> and it will go over and over like it is on repeat to the point where I think it's going to drive me mad at times. <laughs> and, um, and I have actually documented it on a few of my blogs about how those songs will creep in, disappear, and then another one will pop up for no other reason than something wow. has triggered that word and, yeah. and away it goes. And and I've actually tried to process this, and I think it's my brain just trying to blindside what I'm actually doing, like running mm-hmm. a long distance where it's the fatigue's going to set in, the hurt's going to set in, negative thoughts are going to set in. The brain is just whirring away in the background, sort of, you know, the whole, you know, trying look over you. there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, and I've come to actually understand that as being beneficial rather than being the, the torment that I thought it probably was um, when it first started. So, so yes, it's interesting to find things out about yourself from running, doing that. Um, when, so do you find, you, you said sometimes when you have like work issues or you're trying to nut something out, yeah. that that'll pop up into your mind. Do you find you actually are able to solve it when you're running? Does that... Yeah, happen sometimes or probably yeah more often than, than not there are some occasions where no it doesn't but um it, it's interesting how many times it 
it gives me another way of looking at it. Like I'll, mm -hmm. I'll approach it from another direction and it suddenly just all falls into place. And I have actually had the Eureka moment running at lunchtime in Launceston one day wow. where I literally had to stop, ring up my colleague and say, write this down before I get back to the office. Because I'll forget it. Because I'll forget it by the time <laughs> I get back. Um, and sure enough, it worked. And That's awesome. And I, yeah. And, but yeah, often it'll, it, and other times it's just a matter of, you know, that whole, you need to step back from a problem yeah. at times and mm -hmm. just give it a bit of space and come back to it again. And I think that the run and the head clearing again mm. will do that. And I'll come back, sit down at the desk and go, right, let's look at this again. And within half an hour, I've formulated some form of solution and away we go. So They yeah. do. Um, I heard something recently about when we we're in the shower and, and why you do tend to come up with solutions to stuff often when you're in the shower. It's because of the stimulation that happens with the water hitting your head. And yes. then I also heard that, that the similar things happen when we're exercising, that um, the, neural, the new neural pathways and things that start shooting off in your brain because we're exercising actually creates that kind of environment. So I'm not surprised that that's happened. <laughs> However, it doesn't seem to work for me if I'm trying to do complicated maths, especially if I've got to the towards the end of a longer run. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> don't even ask me how to add up one plus one, <laughs> let alone work out how many you know, try and do a kilometre kind of um, calculation. But, but time, happening. but but time being in units of sixty for seconds and minutes so makes hard. it so much difficult to do. <laughs> it's it's so know. hard anyway. But then when you're running, it's like <laughs> no. And then you, yeah. yeah anyway, um, that's a whole brain fog thing that that happens <laughs> when we're running, um, which is funny because <laughs> it's like a juxtaposition to being able to suddenly get those. Because I will often have like, oh, that was a great idea. And, Sometimes when I come back in the um, not running high, I'm like, oh, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. But often it is, is a good idea. So, yeah, it's interesting yep. to see what's going on in our minds while we're running <laughs> down the road. Um, so when you're running, well, okay, put it this way. When Sometimes when I get up, I'm, I might like, I don't really want to go for a run and I'm feeling a bit, you know, you have a, a down day. And then I go for a run because I make myself go because it's kind of that habitual thing that we do. It's like I go for a run because it's Tuesday or Friday or whenever. Um, yep. But I always feel better on the other side of it. So even though I might start thinking I just don't want to run today, I don't think I've ever finished a run, especially a training run, uh, and not felt better. Have you had times when you finished a training run where you, it hasn't been a more positive experience? Um. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I think we're the same. Where I don't, I don't think I've come back in from a run feeling worse, worse. than when I went yeah. out. I have come back from a run thinking, oh, that was a really poor run. That was terrible. Yeah. And mm -hmm. getting onto Facebook or, or social media or messaging a friend and going, you know, and having a whinge and 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 I'll reply and back say, you're. run so um yeah I, I certainly think um can, can you repeat that i think we just froze <laughs> just a little we bit did too actually um yeah actually i might just move closer to my wireless it may not be you i also have a child here who's doing university and i think he's an elector so who knows yeah there could be more right. things happening at once i'll just who move knows? inside hang on a sec That, that was very interesting what you were saying and we don't want to lose it <laughs> no. 
inside. A tour around Liz's house. The house. The living room anyway. <laughs> so, okay, back to that. Um, yeah, I don't think there's ever been a run that I've come back in from where I've felt worse than, than when I've gone out. I have come back from runs thinking that was a poor run, it was a bad mm -hmm. run uh, for whatever reason and and had a had a moan about it to a friend who's replied yeah. and said, well, at least you're running. Exactly. Um, there are other people that are injured or unable to run for whatever reason. So, you know, be grateful that you can, can do that. So, yeah, from that point of view, I, I, I do think, um, and I have, I have times where, yes, I don't feel like running and I have forced myself out of the house mm -hmm. because I'm a bit of a slave for a, a training program. I, yeah. I write these long elaborate programs for my races and try and stick with them as much as possible. I have learned to be a bit more flexible as I get a bit older and my body sometimes doesn't respond as well as I'd hoped it would be. And, and, and um, so, yeah, I'll drop a, a run out here and there where it's just like, okay, I'm tired. I was tired yesterday. There's no point going for one today for, for whatever it'll do. Walk the dog or do something in the garden yeah. instead. Um, so do you have, um, are you a goal orientated? So in order to get you out the door regularly, is it, do you find it easier knowing that you have a goal, whether it's a race or some event that's, you know, yes. three months, four months, whatever it is down the track, you find that's yes. um, very motivating for you? Yes, definitely. And I am very target oriented. Um, yeah. And it's it's um, it's a it's a closed loop because I train to race, and then when I race, I realise what I need to do to train and <laughs> reincorporate it, and it just it goes round and round from that point of view. So at some stage, I'll get to the point where that cycle has to break for some reason. It's either injury or finally get in the point where you know I can't run for whatever reason. Um, I don't know when that is, but I have to contemplate that into the future at some stage. So that, that is one of the questions I've been asking people. How long do you think that you will be able to run for? So I'm disappointed you think that it'll eventually stop, Les. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to face reality, Michelle, that it could be a forced Yeah, from injury. From injury mm -hmm. um, or just in, infirm. Like I know... I know of a few runners in Melbourne and Victoria here in their 60s and still quite competitive and still quite healthy. And I do yeah. tap them for information how they continue stay. to stay that way. Um, and I think it's it's something that even a runner in their teens, 20s, 30s needs to adhere to is listen to your body. Because yes. at times it will tell you that you're overdoing it and you do need to stop. And regardless of the training program or the coach's wishes mm -hmm. or your own aspirations, you need to just settle it down. And the big issue I have too now, Michelle, I'm not sure what it's like in Tasmania, but in Victoria, you can race every weekend. <laughs> so you're saying there's a lot you the could do if you're competed, yeah. like your focus is a, if a you're competition. Fo yeah. mm. So every weekend, literally in Victoria, you can race wow. and you probably every, two out of every three weekends, you could race an ultra um, wow. and I find people not taking breaks like we used to, mm -hmm. you know, so when the, the LRC season would finish, mm -hmm. you'd take a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you know, a month's break. You might six not months. run much. <laughs> six months in some cases. 
maybe not all of us, but yeah, you you would take a break day, wouldn't you? Yeah, and, totally. And you'd freshen up, and yeah. and then you come back and you feel good again. Where, yeah. Whereas you can just continually keep going. And, and being racing ultras, it's not a three week training recovery. Program. Yeah. Um, there's recovery afterwards, and then there's you know probably two months of training. If you keep rolling over and racing, you can do that. But eventually, at some stage, you have to stop and. So is that also a mindset thing though? Like in that, um, like running versus racing versus, because that's what you're putting a lot of pressure. Like from what I'm hearing, the reason you think that you would need to stop is that you would end up, um, your body will just say that's enough, but because it's very competitive, because the things that you are um, jumping into are very competitive kind of things rather than just going for Rather yes. than just training for training's sake, I suppose, is what yes. I'm saying. Mm. Yes, because I train to race. Yeah, which is um, that goal uh, focus. And, yeah, so it's the goal focus. And and because you're training to race, you're putting your body through more than just going for a run. You're yeah. putting it through some hard sessions at least once, maybe twice a week. Um, so you are continually pushing the envelope of what your body is capable, capable. of doing and, and trying to find that 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 line too um sometimes we we overstep it and that's the repetitive injury concern that, that a lot yeah. of us have so yeah for me it will be because i've pushed myself um for an extended period and i do and i also do think that you have to be really competitive you have a window within your life mm. of maybe 10 15 years where you can keep that intensity going as long as you don't have injuries, etc. Yeah. You can really go hard and train hard and race hard, but eventually, and it's probably your body starting to tell you that you can't do that, but your mind also mm-hmm. getting to the point of agreeing with the body because it doesn't always do that. <laughs> and certainly my mind at times thinks that I'm still 21 and I know I'm not 21 anymore and my body tells me I'm not. I think I'm 19. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're fine then, aren't 50 we? 50-something. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. So I guess what I'm not struggling with, but I'm trying to get to the point, like understanding whether when you finish perhaps being competitive, will you still have running in your life, do you think? Like, you know, just go, or can you not even do a park run without trying to do better than you did last week? I don't know. Uh, yeah, look, I'm getting better with park run that I don't go out and thrash each week. Um yeah, look, I think once the competitive nature has to take a back seat, I'll still run yeah. and I will still run for as long as I possibly can. But yeah. I I will approach uh, races quite differently. In, and I'm probably already to agree starting to do that in that I volunteer to sweep races like, yeah. a lot more now. So mm-hmm. that's still getting to do the course, being out with the being runners. Involved. yeah but it's not competitive. Yeah. Um, it's a different, and it's a different uh, aspect in that you're not just responsible for yourself, you're actually responsible yes. for a number of other yeah. people. I've in done the race because, Yeah, because mm. you're safety. Yeah. So um, I've started to do a bit more of that. And that also taps into giving back to a sport that's given mm. me a considerable amount for decades. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there's probably already that hint of that happening with me now, but I still, like I swept the course in at Buller in February and got so inspired that I've signed up for a couple <laughs> of races off the back of it. 
So it kind of that was counterproductive. <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> so, but um, and and having said to, of course, twenty twenty being pandemic year here in mm. Victoria, where you know the place shut down for six months. I did get to a point last year. I said to to my wife, oh, "I'm probably going to throttle back a bit on the racing, and and yeah, still run, but not not hit it every year." And you know, like yeah. at the start of the year, I'd sign up for five or six races, and and but I've already done four races this year. Some ways are backed up from last year. And we're not even April. I'm just saying. No, we're not in April, and I've got a big one in April, and I'm probably looking at um, two or three more to do this year in the lead up to try and get back to run cradle mountain again next oh, year wow. in february so you know i'm already awesome. i'm already looking at a plan that takes me through the february 2022 mm-hmm. so so that that uh, little false retirement slash <laughs> pulling back is is bitten the dust badly so yeah here we are again. <laughs> so um what kind of running do you like? I know the answer to this, but what kind of running do you like the best? Like, so we've got trails, we've got road. Um, what else do we have? Trail and road. Uh, track. 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 track yeah. I've never done track other than, <laughs> other than interval sessions. The thought yeah. of running around a track for hours on end uh, does not excite me at all. I did, a, I did a six hour one once, track one. Yeah. Um, and helped out to sort of counting the, the laps for the 12. Yes. <laughs> 12 hours of going around. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That wasn't great. Look, so what do you like? <laughs> trail trail's my my racing and 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 uh, it's definitely the one that I enjoy the most uh, now. Um I don't race I don't think I've raced a road marathon or road half or ten or anything for two years now. Okay. Um but I still train on the road because it's just necessity of yeah. where I live or where I used to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's easy enough to do, whereas most trails involve some sort of drive, even even if it's five or ten minutes. And mm. sometimes I don't even want to get in the car and do that. I'm yeah, just, just to run to just from the house. Run from the front door yeah. and, um, and do that. But, uh, yeah, definitely trails um, uh, are where I like to to race and, uh, and, and train. And it's a completely different running to road running and it's not speed focused mm-hmm. and it's also you often treat it to some spectacular scenery along the way so there's there's no fault in stopping and taking a photo mid-race or I wouldn't do that in a road marathon and <laughs> crucify myself for doing something like that because it's, it's all about speed isn't it all about time when you're on the road that time over that finish yeah. line and, even if uh, they put some punishing hills in it if you're on the road it's still not really you don't that's really right know permission yeah. to stop. <laughs> well you're not if there's people lining the barricades and you yes. stop it's yeah, come on you can keep going and there's that totally. guilt factor whereas yeah. if you're out in the middle of nowhere and, and you you look at this big long hill and you go all right i'm just walking up that and halfway up that well i actually have to stop and rest for a second because it's really hard yeah there's no one else around to see that so it gives you that sort of permission to do that and even if there was they're probably walking up that hill with you as well having a chat Yes. Also enjoying the <laughs> environment. That's right. And taking photos of you as you're going up. So, yeah, no, definitely trials are it. So I und- I totally understand that. I think I have the same feeling, actually. Like the trail running, really, um, it gives you space to not just go flat out, but to actually enjoy the environment that you're in a bit more, I guess. Yes. Um, and to look around and 
be distracted and <laughs> try yeah. not to fall over. But um, yeah, just take it all <laughs> in. And and often it's places you haven't been before too, or that you can't even drive it. Like it's not like a lot of places that I've done trail runs for. You couldn't drive on the track or whatever that you're on unless you were, yeah. you know, an avid hiker or something. Um, yes. They're places yeah. you get to, as you said, which are quite um, special. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and yeah, remote places as well, which adds probably a little bit of element of slight danger not danger but it's you know if things go wrong you are on your own or having to help out someone else and it adds a different element to the race as well it's real it's It's... real and it's and it's and and it's part of the trail running community is helping other runners Mm. in in um who are in distress and that's happened a few times where Mm. some of us have sacrificed races to help an injured runner come into a a, a checkpoint to, mm-hmm. to get help to them. So, yeah, I think that part of it too is it's um, and it's once again it's a it's a subset of a community. So when you talk about running, trail running is a subset of that, and then ultra trail running is a subset yeah, of that. Um, so yeah, and it is a, even as big a state as Victoria is compared to Tasmania, there is a community. It is still a community feel, and a lot of mm. people know. Yeah, there's six degrees of separation for all yeah. of us for, for knowing, even if they're not friends, we know of them through other friends and yeah. et cetera. So, yeah, that's good. So, I mean, coming into that, like a, a lot of people say if they haven't done a lot of running, um, a theme through uh, what that I've been talking to people about has actually been that connection with other people and that even, so they might have just started running to get a little bit fit, but then they joined. Um, so we've got, I don't know if Running Buddies was here before you left. So there's a... Uh, just starting up yeah yeah so i mean it had been around for a long time it's only just been called running buddies say in the last six or seven years or whatever but um yep. prior to that i think jen and a couple <laughs> other people who um had that the same group it had kind of just morphed but the, the point was it was sort of a little training group where people just kind of got together and went for a run and so some people just did it so that they would have some people to run with and to get a little fitter, but then they stayed and then moved on and started doing uh, races together and things because of the people. So is the yes. the element of the the people that ties you together? Do you, how much do you find um, that they really the, the people that you've got that network that you're talking about the community really helps you keep moving forward with your running? Do you think? Oh yeah, look, it's it's massive a part of. Um, moving forward and running but also mm. so much the social circles yeah as well um so like a really good example of that is is um park run so so i started inaugural park run at, in launceston and ran there moved you to did. victoria i was there yes. Yes. <laughs> i ran in that race <laughs> yes so you know and that's um a little at the probably did we know at the time how much that would change oh, uh running so I moved to Victoria in 2013 and I was out in country Victoria in a place called Langatha. Mm-hmm. Now there was no park run. There was only two in Melbourne at the time that I can recall. And there was none completely near me at all. And one came up in Berwick Springs. Yep. So that was a 50 minute drive. So mm. wife and I Saturday mornings would every now and then would, would drive to do the 50 minutes um anyway once that started it started to pop up a few others around and then one started on in on the coast down near where i lived at Inverloch. and i was approached to become a, a race director there mm-hmm. along with four others 
And at the time when we were starting it up, because there was a little group of us that, that had found each other through Facebook and were running together, mm-hmm. when we started up, we said, okay, how do we measure success for Envelope Parkrun? And we said, oh, 30, maybe 40 runners, you know, would, would be success based on what we know for people running down yeah. there. So I can't remember what the inaugural run were, but very quickly we were pulling 90, 100, wow. 120. That's and there was amazing. just people just came out of the, the, the woodwork because, because we, we, you know, promoted it as it's park run, but you can walk, mm. you can bring your pram, you yeah. can bring your dog, et cetera, et cetera. It's free, it's all that. But the community that ran a, that came up from that and then the connections that were made through that park run, um, you, you just suddenly found all these people. And, and it was a point for Nikki and I, we're living in the, in the area that we finally connected with a bunch of other people because country towns are a bit of a hard yeah. nut to crack for a lot of people when you move in. You have to have and find a, a basic uh, activity that you can you yeah, share. Yeah, something to connect with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and runners, when they pump bump into each other, it's like, oh, come for a run with us. And then you may be completely different runners, but you just mm. go and then you meet other runners and then you form that, that network and mm. that community. Um, so from from that point of view and and with the community in Victoria is is significantly larger than obviously would be in, in Tasmania because of yes. the, the sheer population size. Yes. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> a but, lot more people. But a lot of people in Victoria know a number of Victorian runners and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it's part of that's through the socials, but part of it's through racing together or people mm-hmm. just, you know, flying to Tasmania and going running some trails and asking for yeah. advice. And um, but yeah, certainly from the point of view of of um, also being accountable as a runner, your friends <laughs> they help. They help. Um, <laughs> they can also enable you to do stuff that you probably wouldn't expect to do. Um, yeah. But uh, some of your closer friends are also the ones who go, I don't think you should do that. I think you should probably spend another six months building up to that. And mm. um, yeah. and a... I do I do field questions from people who go, do you think I could do race X? And I yeah. Go, well, yes, you could, but you can't do it tomorrow. You might need to give it six months a year before you, you try and do that. And particularly yeah. when people ask me about running ultras and they've never run an ultra before. Mm. It's built up to it. It's like anything. You don't get off the couch to do the 5K. You have the couch to 5K program. Yeah, and that takes six weeks or 12 weeks or whatever weeks, it is. <laughs> whatever you want to do, yeah. And there's a reason that you have that time is to build yes. yourself up to do it. Yeah. It's the same for an ultra. And so, and so I, sp- I, I guess that um, leads me into one of the things I often have been asking people, and that is the the consistency that that you have to have in your life in order to take on running as um, something that you will do forever <laughs> then <laughs> if that's possible um for and, and that's depends on the individual but it's that developing a consistent practice of it whether we call that training um yep. and so for me and i think that it might be similar for you that means that i've for i don't know 15 or 20 years run with the same group of people on a tuesday and friday here at Stillwater <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I've done the same thing like for that length of time so even if I'm not racing or don't have a goal at this moment although for me running season's always just around the corner um <laughs> I've got I've always got those two so it's that consists I wonder about that and how that then um falls into the other things that we do in our life so that if we can be consistent at 
at running or at training, practice, whatever, um, that other things in our life, we can also replicate that kind of consistency when we're trying to achieve goals? Um, yeah, I think certainly consistency with running is, is probably important because it's not, I don't think it's something that you can sort of switch on and switch off. It, mm. it, um, but it has to, it, it ends up in some ways becoming being part of your life and how you prioritise around it. So a number of runners look at the weekend and prioritise the long run and the, the Saturday group run and then, yeah. then they, they do other things around that. Um, and, and I think the consistency from weekly training is, is good for discipline. Yeah. Um, and, and that has a payoff, yeah, with other aspects of your, of your life is, is mm. how you apply yourself to your running apply yourself to your work, to mm. your attention to your family, uh, and all sorts of things like that. And, and, and with that consistency is the setbacks from the consistency, the injury or the, the race fails. It's understanding that failure is a part of life. Yeah. And, and it's often temporary, but it's also mm -hmm. a building block of learning what went wrong there to build on it and not do it again is if you do the same fail over and over again it's it's like hitting your head against a brick you need wall, to learn so from it <laughs> you need to learn from it to stop it um happening so yeah i think um certainly from from my point of view having training programs and and adhering mm -hmm. to those programs keeping and consistency keeps me on mm -hmm. track running with the groups uh so we have a, a a local running group here in warrigal who um we used to meet very, very religiously on Tuesday, Thursday mornings, Friday mornings, uh -huh. Monday afternoons. COVID threw that into chaos yeah. because we couldn't run as a group for eight months, months of yeah. last year. Yeah. So when we've come back, it's now tended to be more, uh, and it's a funny thing is we wait for someone to post because as soon as they post, they lead the run. So everybody holds off uh -huh. and then eventually you'll get this post at about 10 o'clock at night with Finally, someone goes, is someone running tomorrow morning? <laughs> so other people go, yeah, yeah, I'll join you, but you're leading. Yes. So, but it yep. is it is good from that point of view that it's it's fostered a community uh, of runners here that, um, yeah, we, we meet semi-regularly and, mm -hmm. and go running. And we run similar routes all the time. Occasionally we mix it up with something different, different. we'll yeah. go somewhere different. Mm -hmm. um, but we always start usually at the same point and, and it's, you know, from that direction, you have three different ways to go. And yeah. so it's like, right, which way do we go this morning? And when we get to this point, should we go left or right? Or or do we go up the hills today? Or do we keep to the flat, uh, which we do have a, um, an a selection, an yeah. option in uh, Warrigal. Um, so, yeah, from that, from that point of view, yeah, that, that works quite well. And um, and, and just having that, that knowledge that there's a group there who you just put a post up and there'll be there'll be someone happy to come and run with you. Yeah. And um, it's a rare occasion that you're on your own at a car park waiting to leave at seven o'clock and there's no one there. So, <laughs> so that's that's good. And on those days, you just head out on your own and uh, and post it up and and look what you well, missed where, out on. <laughs> yeah, where was everyone? You know. Right. Okay, so it was wet and raining and it was two degrees, but where was everyone? <laughs> so I know that you had some injuries over the years. How do you yes. cope with that? Like if you can't run for, I don't know, what's the longest you've not been able to run since you've been a runner? Actually, I was in Launceston and I spent um, 
good part of 2007, 2008, I think, yeah. with a calf injury that would not heal mm-hmm. or love or money. So I was out for, I think, 10 months at that Oh, wow. Point. That's a long time um, for less. It was a long time, mm. yes. Look, I coped with that one fairly well. And I, and I, I and initially it was that disappointment that I couldn't run. Mm. And, it, you know, even at, from a macro level, Sunday morning, it was after an LAC run and I pulled up the next day. It was actually the, um, the Lilydale Lope. Yes, classic I, run here in I, Montes- Yes, loved it. Uh, pulled, got out of bed the next morning, took one step and thought, ouch, mm. and it was my calf and it was just a block of wood. Wow. So there's immediate disappointment. I can't race next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the next sort of, or oh, actually I probably can't race for another four weeks or something oh, wow. and depending on how long this is going to take. But then thinking beyond that thing, okay, so there'll be rehab and mm-hmm. we'll get back again and I'll be fine. But then the longer it went on, it then just became this thing that, that I was just battling rehab and, mm. and probably coming back too quickly. It was, that was a, a lesson I learned through that period was mm-hmm. to, to trust the rehab uh, process um, and to... You know, once the rehab finishes, then there's the return to running and, and no, you're not going to start running where you left off just because you've had a six, yeah. seven week break yeah. and so forth. But I did end up coping that one fairly well. The one that really um, got me was first or well, second year in Victoria here. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd run Melbourne Marathon in 2013, which you ran as well, because I remember you passing me on Beach Road at one point when I really started to struggle. (laughs) I think that was Um, my best marathon ever. It was your best marathon time. It just kind of um, coincided with maybe your not favourite marathon ever. (laughs) Well, so it was my first. That was my first first. straight marathon. And and I trained well for it and, Mm -hmm. and everything was going fine. But on the day whether I was overexcited or, or anxious. And I ran off at a, at a, at a nice pace, but, but nicely contained, but, yeah. but got to about the 20K mark and then the wheels just completely fell off. And it wasn't until I looked back at my plot on Garmin later on, I realised my heart rate was, was hammering at the maximum for about oh, the first wow. 10K. So I don't know whether there was something wrong with me or it was just, yeah. I just probably just wasn't running at the speed that I should have been anyway. So I vowed to go back in 2014, mm-hmm. took some advice from a friend in Victoria here, Peter Mitchell, who runs a Dandenong Trail Runners group. But Peter yeah. Mitchell's a 214 marathon. Wow, he's quick. Yes, quick <laughs> in his day. So um, took some advice from Peter as to what my training needed to adapt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really good is that he pointed to my 5 and 10K times were very good, but mm. my half and 30K times were... So he, so he structured my training to do a lot more longer runs mm-hmm. on hills. So I approached midway through 2014, looking at running Melbourne Marathon again. And Peter had had basically crunched the numbers for me and said, you are probably a 3.30 marathon. He said, but mm-hmm. potentially you are 3.20 if your wow. training goes well. And, and I thought that's just it. You know, I'd be over the moon with that. Yes. Yeah. And I was really in absolutely tip top shape and everything going well. And then ran a race, a trail race in August where 
I inverted my ankle on a downhill running fast and the sound that it made when the ligament snapped was horrific. And to this day, I can still remember it. The dangers um, of trail running. Trail running. (laughs) And um, and because the nature of the injury being that it ruptured probably a grade two tear, it didn't actually rupture completely, but it, it ruptured the full length of the ATFL from start to finish. And the ATFL is only a couple of inches long, but it, it, it split it down the guts, if you like. Yeah. But I was three Ks into a race where there was no way out other than to me walk back uphill three Ks oh. on a really, really painful ankle, which probably did it far more damage than the actual injury itself. Mm-hmm. So that was four months out. But it was the fact that I'd been in probably my best ever form i was as fit as that i'd ever been and i was on track melbourne yeah a couple of months out from melbourne and that was it it was all over and and i knew immediately that at that point that that Mm -hmm. melbourne had gone and that was the focus of my whole year too so that was the other thing that i put everything into that race all the training all the other races Mm. were just training runs for the ultimate race. So it was quite devastating, I'd say. It was quite devastating. Yeah. And and being the big community that we have in Victoria, seeing everybody else racing the next weekend and training and, mm. you know, and I'm still got my foot up and, and braced. So mentally I struggled um, quite a lot with that to the point where I probably actually turned off Facebook for a little bit, yeah. stopped. Um, uh, I think I actually took Strava off my phone just wow. so I wouldn't get the notifications or Please. have anything to do with it. So, yeah, I, I, and that was the way I had to deal with, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably one of the worst ones. Um, and, and funny thing was almost 12 months later to the same weekend, I rolled the other ankle <laughs> also in preparation for, for Melbourne, <laughs> but it wasn't quite as bad and... I was able to get to the physio quickly. I was actually, I was in a much better position where where I rolled the ankle was 200 metres from an aid station. On yeah, race. so you could get ice or whatever on it. And I got ice, elevation I got a lift and stuff. straight back mm-hmm. down to the to the start-finish line. Mm-hmm. We, we commenced rehab straight away. Mm-hmm. I saw the physio on the Monday mm-hmm. and he immediately said, look, you've still got a fair bit of stability and strength there. Yes, you've, you've rolled, you've inverted the ankle, but I think we can get you to Melbourne. So I did get to Melbourne that year and, and had probably one of my worst times ever for a marathon, but, but I actually made it. You did it. Yeah. I made it. Totally. But that one didn't hurt as much because I'd already gone through the four months the previous year struggling yeah. with an ankle and not running and mm. understanding that at the end of scheme, it's not the end of the world, that there are other things that you can do. I was talking this to um, Bev yesterday and yes. um she'd had been told by a surgeon she would never run again um because of yep. her knee and um she just decided that she couldn't couldn't um, take that and as we know she she's gone on and, and she's continuing to run and, and got some good advice on form and things yes but what we were talking about around it is that identity that we attach to you know, this activity of running, I'm sure people attach all sorts of things to their identity. But <laughs> for us, when, when you attach it to something that can so easily be removed, yes. um, that's when it can cause problems and can cause real mental health problems too. I mean, you see that, I guess, in elite sports people and things when they finish their careers as well. If they haven't done some kind of work on who they actually are as a person, 
if that sport, if they could no longer do whatever that sport was. So it's yes. interesting that, because um, I've, I've had that in the past as well, that when I couldn't run for some reason for a little while, and it was like, but I'm a runner. How can I not? I, I need to be running. Like, this doesn't make sense, you know. And so yes. it's doing a little bit of work on, hey, like you said, running is a part of what I do when I can and I love it, but it's not who I am. You know, it's the, those kind That's of conversations right. you sort of have to yeah. have to yourself. And I can still be friends with my running friends. <laughs> Just because <laughs> I'm not running, they will talk to me. No. That's right. That's right. You haven't been ostracized from the group. No, it's funny. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think that's it's probably something that everybody deals with in some way in their lives, depending on what they've yes. attached their identity to. But it's interesting for us when it's can be removed, yes. you know, just with the yes trip of a you know a route and on a trail and you twist your ankle or whatever. Um, and, and it is and it is at its best a vacation for a lot of us. It's it's not our primary source of income. Yes. Yet we we attach probably uh, over the top importance to it at times and yes um, you know so yes I'm, I'm a runner and but I'm not running at the moment so yeah what does that actually make yeah and, uh, so and, who am uh, I yeah and I and I see that a lot of runners for the first time that they come across a major injury is, is that struggle to for the identity and, mm. and and knowing how to to conduct themselves and yeah. Uh, and yeah and I have seen other people do the same as what I did is go off Facebook just turn it off for a little while turn and, it off and yeah deal Start with it meetings. for a bit and then yeah yeah Cross stitch. Darts, go, go <laughs> drinking I don't know whatever yeah. <laughs> 10 pin bowling yeah um, there's but it's, it is and, and for some people it's also the reset for for running was to go back and start the strength program yeah. because one of the reasons they got injured was they they were they missed something uh, in there they missed something they were deficient in an area that yeah. um that has been identified so yes incorporate yeah. strength program in, in your running as well I can see it as an opportunity yes and i and i think that's one of the positive things for that runners get told too is you know look at everything as a learning opportunity and as yeah. a positive outcome that, that mm -hmm. there aren't any negative outcomes from, from any of this um uh, you are still alive you still yep. have your family your friends mm -hmm. um, the sun still comes up tomorrow morning and your life continues on you just have to fill that little bit of a gap that that's that's gone and uh, the time and, being yeah and if you work on it and if you really want it to come come back you will and like bev yeah yeah you know, like it's, you it's, it's <laughs> yes it's not always and sometimes yeah, it's it's the the, the um the first opinion is not always the right one. The, mm -hmm. the second one might also uh, give you an alternative of way of looking at it. So I have a friend here who's in the same boat who has no cartilage in his knee and was basically told, well, you can run, but you're going to have to manage the pain, mm -hmm. which he's done. So mm -hmm. from running ultras, he's gone right back to literally a couch to 5K program. and. Wow. Um, working with a strength coach has, has built up his his legs to the point where yes he gets discomfort when he runs an ultra now but, but it's, not as... is, it's nothing like it was and yeah. once again it's a form thing it's a, it was a strength thing as well yeah. for him mm -hmm. um yeah he wanted to run again he found a way um and, uh, so yeah, that that, awesome? yeah and that's yeah that's a positive that's a real positive outcome that uh, yeah I think that's usually yeah. a positive outcome if you look for it enough. Um, 
yeah. Anyway, uh, one question I would like to ask before we finish up, yes. and that is, if you had advice to someone who is listening to this about starting running, so they're either coming back from a long time off or maybe they've just never really run since school when everybody was made to run, um, <laughs> how, would you, how would you suggest they get started? Have you got a, like a tip that they could take to, to just start moving, really? Um, look, essentially from probably a couple of things is uh, don't think about it, just do it. Yeah. Just get out and, and have a go. Uh, running with a group, I think, um, uh, particularly a group that's structured for taking um, beginners, new yeah. beginners, mm -hmm. and we have a few of those around um, in our areas. Even our, mm -hmm. our local group quite happily takes on people that have never run and, and, yeah. and we'll, we'll take them for a run. Um, a, because you'll get positive feedback from that group. Yeah. Uh, runners are usually very quite supportive of other runners, mm -hmm. regardless of your skill level, ability, mm -hmm. fitness, etc. Um, but you also learn things off those runners as well mm. as to what's the easier way to, to come, to either come back to running or, yeah. or, or to take it up and... Um, like from yeah. their stories of how they got started as well, I guess. You yes, yeah. So my, my story of starting running was as a mid-80s, binge drinking, chain smoking, no overweight. No way. Yes, no guy way. who one day came home from work and laced up the shoes and ran a 5K and... and, and Didn't die. Didn't die, nearly. <laughs> well, I felt like it at the I end. I bet you did girl. if you'd been drinking and smoking at home. Yes. Can't so, imagine and, it. And, and, you know, there was the, the, the three-month period there where I was running and still smoking before I decided wow. that one of them had to go. So thankfully it was the smoking. So yes, I'm but there was a, happy about that. <laughs> but the, the, the first the first run was, so living in Brisbane, it was October, it was stiflingly hot mm. and humid. And um, yeah, I, I probably would have looked like I was near death by the time I got back, it was either bright red or, or gray in the face. But um, I don't advocate that as a way to start <laughs> running for a lot of people, but yeah, for me, that's what it took. I, I just, and I still to this day don't know what actually set that off. It just, wow. I just came home and said, right, I'm going for a run. And I was, because I was active as a young kid. Yeah. But I had that, that great period for a lot of us through the teenage years where it, it's exercise wasn't yeah. important and, and yeah. drinking and frolicking was. And, and I got to, I think it was about 22 at the time. And, you know, whether it was a, a body image thing for me mm -hmm. or whether it was just a fitness, you know, I wanted to be fit again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just, but yeah, it just triggered something and away I went. So what made you go the second time then? To go faster <laughs> than the first time. Because it's like, well, if it, depending on how you felt, you described a person who was probably not feeling that great when they finished. <laughs> oh, no. so, so something but made it's... you go again. <laughs> I've probably again, forgotten. Yeah. I've probably forgotten how hard it was the first time when yeah. I went out. Probably three days later. It's, just, it's a classic. I'm never doing that again. And yeah. then you know, yeah. three months later, you've signed up for the same race again. Yes, I was that probably is... that. I, was, I probably got to that point. Runner's amnesia. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's um. Yeah, there's a lot of amnesia around when when it comes to running. <laughs> totally. Yes. Even from way back then. Yeah. So I reckon probably even though you were feeling exhausted and you thought that was almost killed me there was probably something in your brain a couple of minutes later once you got over that bit 
was actually I feel a little bit better. Like yeah. I'm proud of myself. Yeah. You know, I did I did that. That's great. Well, I think I, I think it was I, I that I stuck to it and did it and and yes, it didn't kill me. So therefore, yeah. I can probably do it again. And yeah, uh, yeah no way I went. So yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, certainly for for tips for new runners is is find a group. I think's probably a really good one. Um, yeah. And and one that will will manage new runners as well. It's not always easy to find them, but mm. uh, and there is an intimidation factor of running with a group. So even for an experienced runner, yeah. is you just you just don't know what you're up for. Um, no. So one of the things that running buddies um, now say is, what is it? It's not a race, any pace, or something like that. So they've got a yes. little slogan like that. So which kind of encourages everyone, whether you want to walk or run, um, yes. they kind of push a lot of that in their, yeah. their training. Well, we, our motto is we, we never leave a ball ball runner behind. So we loop back. So we say to people, if, you, if you're running out the back, don't despair, run at your own pace. Yeah. If we're running faster and there are a number of faster runners in, in the club, mm-hmm. we will loop back. And so, yeah. you know, our, our 8K run will turn into, for us, a, a 9K run. Yeah. That's great. We're, we're fine with that. It turns into the pearl um, pattern when you look at it on Strava. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you just see people going up and down a street. Um, yeah. One of the hills that we run, they'll just go up and down you know, scooping up the, the runners. Oh, wow. the so, That's awesome. So, yeah, so we do that. I do know of a group in the local area that they, they meet for a run, they head off and then everyone just strings out in this great big line. We'll see them in the mornings and, and we think that's the whole antithesis of running with a group is, uh, you know, you stick together and yeah, support and have, each other. And have is, a chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is just everyone for themselves basically. Wow. So, yeah, so that's like, yeah, just find out a bit about the group yeah, before, before you, you. you join up just yeah. to make sure that they are going to look after your interests as well as your yeah. own. That's a that's good advice. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, Les. It has been amazing to catch up with you again. It has been actually quite some time since we've talked to you in person. Yes, um, it has. It seemed to be at the end of marathons <laughs> since you left Tassie <laughs> anyway. Um, so it has been lovely to see you and I really appreciate you coming on. Um, and your story has been very inspirational. I'm sure it will encourage many people. So I will um, end the recording, and but don't go anywhere because <laughs> just say good, <laughs> goodbye off the recording as well. All right. Thank you, Les. Thank you very much, Michelle. It's lovely to be on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. For a bunch of resources to help you get and stay fit, head over to the website, fitmindfitbody.co, and I'll see you there. I'll also be back here once a week. Bye.